0: radioinfluence.com. Welcome back to the Lawfather podcast. As always, we are here in the new and improved Lawfather studios right here in Lawfather headquarters. Special shout out to Jason for making the uh, successful trip back from Washington after uh, watching that Debacle of uh, of a Bucks game this past weekend, but uh, not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about what is uh, being billed as really an, another debacle, which would be the Kyle Rittenhouse. Case and uh, you know we'll talk about that and I know we're going to talk about Astro World a little bit but we're going to bump that to next week because uh, the Rittenhouse case really has kind of taken off in terms of where it is and as we sit right now they are in the middle of closing arguments so today is uh, Monday. November fifteenth, and uh, we're recording this just shy of three PM. So just have that little time stamp in mind as we're talking about this case because by the end of today, when you guys are all listening to the show, except for those of you on live, uh the day could be over in terms of the closing arguments, then jur- the jury will go out and deliberate and they'll be out for uh you know, probably a significant amount of time in a case like this. But for those of you who are unaware of the timeline and and what happened and what this whole thing about is about, I'm going to fill in some blanks here for you cuz quite frankly and you know maybe I shouldn't admit this, but this wasn't necessarily a topic that I knew a whole lot about before jumping in and looking into it for the show today. Yeah, the headlines, great, cool, understood all of that, but it just wasn't one of those things that necessarily grabbed my attention, but once I started looking into it, I found a lot of this very interesting from a legal perspective, right? And this is one where you really have to separate the legal perspective from the, we'll call it the real life perspective, right? And and I'll explain why. So here it is. We have a 17-year-old kid, all right? Lives in Illinois, travels to Wisconsin because there are some protests and uprising, and he goes to protect property and because he was saying that he was uh, an EMT. So he was going to go provide medical care and treatment. And along the way, he was uh, going to bring his AR-15. Okay. Uh, and this was back August of 2020 is when this whole thing happened. It was uh Kanishawa with Wisconsin. There had recently been a police shooting in that area and um, there, it led to um, some protests and some were civil, some were not civil. This uh, has all uh, all the indications of a not civil uprising. Um, I don't know, uprising might not be the right word, but we'll, we'll just call it a protest, okay? So he goes there, right? And at the end, we'll fast forward to the end and then let's fill in the middle. Uh, as a result of what happened there, he was charged with first degree intentional homicide, first degree reckless homicide, first degree attempted intentional homicide two counts of reckless endangerment, possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18, and a curfew, curfew violation of which that curfew dro- violation was dropped and dismissed by the judge pretty early on in this thing, okay? So that's why we're here, right? We are here because of those charges, right? So that's the legal aspect of it, right? What we have here, is we have a kid. He's seventeen year old. Seventeen years old at the time. He's eighteen now, right? Um, could even be twenty depending on when his birthday is. But anyway, no, he'd have to be. I think he'd have to be seventeen. I don't know. Jason can do the math for me while I'm talking as he's laughing at my wonderful math skills of when how old this kid is. But anyway, at the time he's a kid. He's seventeen years old, right? We have a seventeen year old bringing in AR. Across state lines to go to a protest to protect property, right? Sounds like a really bad decision, okay? And yeah, maybe that should be looked at at some point, but here's the thing not something that comes up in terms of the legal case, right? In terms of these charges, we don't care why he's there, right? And the charges and the facts, because yes, there are times that you would care why a person is in a place for first degree intentional homicide, right? That there are times where that would become something that you'd want to look at. Right. Um, and, and the first degree intentional homicide charge, that's a capital murder charge. Okay. Um, they just name things a little bit differently in Wisconsin, but your intentional homicide charge, that's murder. Your reckless homicide that would be more of your manslaughter charge, okay? And attempted intentional homicide means that you meant to kill the person, but you didn't, okay? Essentially, uh, you failed at what you did, right? That's That would be the attempted intentional homicide. Reckless endangerment, it's pretty self-explanatory. You did something extremely recklessly that endangered people. So that's what that is. And so in this though, we have to ignore the fact that yeah, not really the brightest decision ever to go somewhere with an AR, right? Put it like this, okay? You don't bring an AR to a place that you feel like is going to be peaceful like Disney World, right? I mean, where everybody's happy and there's nobody's arguing or fighting or anything else, right? You don't see a whole lot of armed people at Disney World and, okay, let's not get lost in the fact that they wouldn't allow it. But anyway, how about the parking lot of Disney World? You don't see a lot of people walking around, but AR-15s there, right? Happiest place on earth. Well, if you feel like you need to bring an AR to a place, probably a place you shouldn't go, okay? Be that as it may, this is where we are, right? But, and I drive this point home, right? And I go into that detail on that to get to, none of that matters, it doesn't matter how poor of a judgment decision that was, right? And yes, maybe I'm Monday morning quarterbacking it, right? But I can tell you, being someone who owns an AR, is being someone who worked in law enforcement, who was issued an AR-15, okay? If you feel like you have to bring an AR-15 to the party, it's a bad party, okay? Um, look, I can tell you, in six years in law enforcement, I had one that was locked behind my head, Um in a, in a gun lock. And, um, I can tell you the amount of times I took it out at work and it was zero. Okay. Not because we were in bad situations necessarily. Sometimes part of it was that I had a zone partner who I trusted with my life. And he was always the one that would go grab the AR and I was always the one that would be the hands-on person. Right. But when he had it, we weren't there because things were going particularly well. Okay. We were there generally, oh, I don't know. Somebody else had a gun, and we needed a bigger gun, right? So that is my point there, okay? Look, whatever your political stance is on ARs, let's put that aside for a second also, okay? Not really a good choice of weapon either for for something like this, okay? it Look, you got to strap it on you, right? You, you have to throw it over your shoulder. It's just... It's not real conducive for that type of thing, okay? Um, it's just not, right? A handgun, okay, because you can holster it, you can put it away. Um, you have your hands free, whatever else. Just not, not a real good choice there. Plus, they're really good for long distance, not really good for close combat, not really good in terms of the fact that, oh, I don't know, those 223 and the 556 five, rounds have a tendency to go through people into other things that are unintended targets, okay? So- maybe a bad decision all around. All right. From a, why are you there? And why are you choosing that particular weapon standpoint? But ignore that for the moment, because we have to, because the law says we have to ignore those facts. Okay. And those opinions. Why? Because what goes into these things? What goes into an intentional homicide charge? Said another way, what goes into a murder charge, right? Here it on TV, first degree murder, um, those type of things, right? It's the same thing, just named a little bit differently because states can have their own statutes and they can name things in different ways. So, what is that? That means that he went in, okay, to, to be convicted of a first degree murder charge, okay, and, and then, like I said, it's, it's the same as intentional homicide, it means the same thing. You have to go in with what's called malice of forethought, right? Big fancy term of saying you did this and you meant to do this and, and you went in and you, you essentially, or not essentially, you came up with a plan. Okay. Now you think, okay, he sat in his room and he drew it on a piece of paper and he came up with a plan. That's a plan, right? It doesn't always have to be that detailed. Okay. You can develop that plan in the split second before something happens. Okay. Um, I could think of examples, but I, I, I don't know, just not going to go there <laughs> right now. But something happens, you see something, you react to it, and it's because of that you came up with a plan in the instance before you took action, okay? That's what that malice of forethought is, okay? And, and, and a lot of times you have to have what's called a depraved mind, meaning that you went in with the intent that not only did you come up with this plan, right? You thought of this plan before you took action on it, but you had some intent to kill the person or cause great, well, in in this case, in order to have a murder, you have to kill a person, right? There's no alternative to murder. It's murder or it's not murder. Um, You could have the attempted, but we'll touch base on that because we do have somebody that that was attempted on, okay? So that, when you look at it from a case perspective, that's going to be very, very, very tough to prove, okay? And we're going to look at some of the evidence here that's been presented because look, we're at closing argument stage. That means a lot of evidence has gone out there. And what Rittenhouse has put forward is he was in danger, right? His life, his safety, his own personal safety in life was in danger, not some part, not some property, right? Not some other individual, but you could actually have self-defense of another individual, not what we have. So we're not going to deal with that. Okay keep this in mind, okay? Let me just throw this little tidbit out there for you. This is basically a law school textbook example, right? You can't protect property through lethal lethal force, okay? So think about it like this. You have a shed in your backyard with a bunch of uh, tools in it, okay? And you set up some some sort of booby trap that guy opens the door to break in and uh, you have a gun set up. And as soon as he opens the door, it triggers it and it goes off, fires, kills him, boom, done, right? You can't do that. That's, that's actually not a correct way to protect property. And that's, that example is more or less the law school textbook example of that, okay? But you can protect yourself. You can use lethal force to protect yourself. So we have all these charges that come down to Hey, he did something intentionally, right? Intentional homicide, murder. We, ex- we explained, we talked about, right? First degree, reckless homicide. Yeah, you, you, were, you were negligent in what you were doing, but you're meant to take the action, okay? Different from, you know, maybe uh, you get in a fight and, you know, you, you're fighting somebody, but you don't actually push him down. But as a result of the fight, he trips and falls bangs his head, and dies, okay? That would be somewhere along the lines of, of a reckless homicide, a manslaughter, right? So you could have, and, and and they break it down differently in Wisconsin, but generally you have uh, voluntary manslaughter and involuntary manslaughter, right? The, that, what I just described, would be more of like that involuntary, you didn't mean to, okay? Um, voluntary, you're in that same fight, but you push him and he falls and hits his head, okay? Now you have more of a voluntary, Type, that would be more of your first degree reckless homicide. So that's how that would work. So you did something, right? You intended to do something, but you really, your mindset wasn't that you were going to kill the person, right? And so so think about it like that. What we are concerned about is his mindset at the time. Not why he was present there. Not why he traveled across from Illinois to Wisconsin. Not why he brought an AR to the party, okay? What his mindset, what was going on in his head what his intent was at the time. Okay. Now what the evidence, and I'm going to boil down a week's worth of testimony into a really short period of time. Why? Because I don't want to bore you all with a week's worth of testimony. There are plenty of avenues to go get that week's worth of testimony, but I want to keep it concise. And, uh, here's what I have here, right? The video and photographic evidence that's been presented at trial. Okay, so this is what the jury's looking at. So start thinking about in your mind what's what we've talked about, right? He was there, this is what he brought to the party, everything else. Boom, boom, All right? Here we are. Now we have three victims. Two people are dead, and one was shot and hurt, but not killed. Okay. And it was as a result of Rittenhouse shooting them. So those are the facts that you know. He's guilty, right? Got to be guilty. He brought an AR to the party. Why was he at that party, right? How dare he be there? Must be guilty, right? Well, now think about this. The video and the photographic evidence show one of the victims being aggressive and chasing after Rittenhouse. Another one one of the victims hit Rittenhouse with a skateboard. And a third victim... Pointed a pistol at the at, at Rittenhouse, okay? So we're not talking about a bunch of choir boys here, and I'm including Rittenhouse in that, right? There is not anybody who is without any fault whatsoever, right? But does it rise to the standard on a criminal case, right? Because on a criminal case, your standard is much, much higher, right? Beyond a reasonable doubt. There is no other alternative as to what could have happened other than that he had that intent and that mindset. That is what the standard is. There's no other alternative. Reasonable doubt, right? The highest of high standards, because as a justice system, we would rather set a guilty man free than to imprison a not guilty man or an innocent man, okay, or a woman, but we're talking about a man here. So anyway, that is the premise of our justice system, okay? So that said, let's look at, I'm gonna take one little blurb of testimony, and I think this sums the entire thing up, okay? And this comes from, this was, mind you, think about this for a second, this was the state's witness, meaning that the state that is prosecuting Rittenhouse thought that this guy... Was going to win the case for them or at least help advance their case. I shouldn't, shouldn't say win their case for them, but that this guy was going to advance the case for them. Okay. And it was one of the victims. So, yeah, you would think, okay, you're one of the victims. You're going to help make the, the state's case stronger. Normally, that's what happens, at least. Okay. And this comes from the cross examination. So the state goes first. They do what's called direct examination, it's their witness. So, you know, they do the kind of Lob up softball questions and uh, basically open-ended questions. You let the witness speak and tell their story. Bob, bob off and on on you go. And then it moves to cross-examination. And in cross-examination, you as the lawyer, you're telling the story, right? That's really the difference. It is as in cross-examination, you as the lawyer are asking your questions because you, you can't testify, but you're asking your questions in a way that essentially you're testifying. Okay? That's that's the, the premise behind how we handle cross-examination. This is from written te- this is the exchange between Rittenhouse's attorney, the defense attorney, and the state's witness. The state one of the victims, one of the victims, the state's witness. This is Rittenhouse's attorney. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him with your gun, now your hands down pointed at him that he fired, right? And now, in that, that him is Rittenhouse, okay? So I'm gonna read it again to give it a little bit more context, okay? And I'm gonna change him to Rittenhouse. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at Rittenhouse, advanced on Rittenhouse with your gun, now your hands down pointed at Rittenhouse that he fired. Right? That, that Rittenhouse fired. Right? That was the defense attorney. The response from the victim. Correct. Meaning that when bad boy Rittenhouse, who brought his AR to the party, shot the one victim. Right? The one who, as a result, he was charged with first-degree attempted intentional homicide. Meaning he meant to kill him, but he didn't. Okay? He shot him in the arm. Right? This guy had a gun pointed at him. So in what world do you go, man, how dare that guy shoot the other guy who had a gun? Right now, look, they're all wrong. Let's just, let's just go with that. Everybody in this situation is wrong, right? But is it self-defense? If I'm a defense attorney, that is my beginning, middle and end of the entire case. You, Mr. Victim, had a gun. You, Mr. Victim, had your gun pointed at my client. And you expected him not to shoot you? Did you miss the big AR that he was holding? Right? It's not like he confused it. It's not like it was a surprise. Like, oh, surprise. I pulled this AR out of nowhere. No, I mean, they're long. They're, you know, about 18, 19, 20 inches long, maybe even a little bit longer. Okay. It's big. You don't miss that type of thing. Okay, it's not like he had a handgun hiding behind his back and you go pull a gun at him and then you're surprised that he pulls a gun on you. No, come on, all right? So look, long story short, the state has major hills to climb. Anytime you're talking about a first degree murder charge, you're talking about a really difficult charge to prove, okay? Because you have a lot of elements you have to prove. And rightfully so, because the it's a mandatory life sentence in Wisconsin for that first degree intentional homicide. So you know what? You're going to put somebody away for life. You better get it right. Uh, and, And I just, I don't see it. I don't see any of these. Now here's where you go. Oh, they got him. They got him on this one, right? Possession of dangerous weapon by person under 18. Aha. Was he under 18 at the time? Yes, he was. Did he have a dangerous weapon? Yes, he did. Right, and, and there was some back and forth banter with with the state attorney on this, and uh, you know one of the reasons why Rittenhouse says he doesn't he didn't have a handgun with him, he, why well, he chose the AR, right? Great choice, as I've you know clearly mentioned that he legally couldn't own a handgun. Well, he was actually right about that. Rittenhouse was actually right that in Wisconsin he actually couldn't own a handgun. Okay, he also couldn't own an AR, right? Except for the fact that. This little word "and," okay. Now, a lot of times in the real world, we'll call it, and not the legal world, right? The word "and" doesn't mean a whole lot yet. It puts two pieces, you know, puts things together, right? This and that, right? Um, assault and battery. Uh, you know, you could go on and on. I'm sure there's a there's there's a laundry list of ands you could put in, right? But here's the, here's the thing. Two words that are really small that can change the entire dynamics of the way a statute is written and an or. Five total letters. Five total letters that can change the course of a case, change the course of a statute. Okay? Why am I harping on this? Because Wisconsin law allows for Short-barreled rifles to be owned by um, by individuals who are under 18. All right, there's a provision in there. It's an exception provision. Okay, meaning that you can't own it unless these conditions are met. Right, and it goes on. There are there is an and within a subsection of that statute. Okay. And you're you're concerned with the connecting points of that and, right? And what it says is that a gun of the size of an AR would be prohibited, okay, if one Wisconsin statute is satisfied, okay? And and the person was 16 years old or younger. Okay? Boom. Done. Game over. We don't even care what that other statute is. I could carry less. Quite frankly, I don't know what it is. I didn't even look it up. You know why? Because there is no evidence and both sides in the case stipulated to the fact that Rittenhouse was 17 at the time this all happened. And because we have an and, the other part doesn't matter because he had to also be 16 or younger. Okay? So that charge... Was also dismissed. So now we're only dealing with the self-defense, which we really, uh, we really talked a lot about. Um, I was going to use a pun there, but I really don't feel like it would have been in good taste to use a pun. That uh, you know, we really, we really covered that whole topic. So anyway, that is the breakdown of there. So look, my prediction. Here we are. It is the fifteenth of November. I expect a jury to be out by the end of this week. I expect for you to see a not guilty on all charges, okay? And look, this is not a political thing. I know this case has become highly politicized, okay? My thought process on the fact of whether or not Rittenhouse is guilty or not guilty has literally zero to do with politics and a 100% to do with a legal analysis of the case and, oh, I don't know, one of the victims admitting to, yeah, I pointed a gun at him and my gun was pointed at him when he shot me. Okay. That to me, textbook self-defense and there we go. All right. So now we're going to do my favorite part of the show, listener questions. All right. Here is today's listener question. How do I choose a personal injury lawyer? Hey, that is a really great question because for the most part, Most people have one case and one case only in their lifetime and you want to get it right, okay? You want to maximize your ability to feel better and maximize your pain and suffering amount and your future medical bill amount, okay? So here's a couple of quick hitter points to keep in mind, all right? Ask people you know. Ask them if they've had an experience with an attorney and how that experience was, right? Even bigger platform to go and look at. Google is great at this. Google reviews. It'll tell you so much, Okay, it'll tell you the good, the bad, the ugly. So take a look at that. Do your research. Okay, it, it's that important for you to do. Okay, now and, and keep in mind, even though you're not necessarily paying up front for a personal injury attorney, you're still paying that person in the end. So don't lose sight of that. So, this is your case. You want to get it right from the beginning and you want to have the right person on your side from day one. Okay, a couple of things you may want to consider the experience that that lawyer has in that particular area of law, right? So you wouldn't go see a heart surgeon to have brain surgery done, right? Exactly. Think of lawyers the same way. Look at their credentials, right? Look at you know, what they have out there. Look at their social media. See what they've done in the past. See if, if they can be trusted and, and know what they're talking about, Okay check on their availability. Do they have time to talk to you? Or are you going to be shuffled in just a number somewhere? All right. Talk to the attorney's office. Find this all out from them. Ask questions. Make sure you feel comfortable because you want to feel comfortable. Okay. And look that attorney up on social media because, hey, look, not just social media, but online, because you'll find out a lot about that person, about that law firm. Okay. And you may be able to find out what they're good at, what they're not good at, right? Read the reviews, check out YouTube, check out Facebook, check out Instagram, uh, and maybe even check out TikTok. Heck, I don't know. It's a whole brand new world here in 2021. And uh, we're almost in 2022. Okay. So anyway, also one last thing to consider, you might want to consider the firm size, right? Because that can kind of go into the availability of somebody to speak to you. So look into that and just find somebody that's right for you. As always, it is the Lawfather Father here, right from Lawfather Father headquarters and the Lawfather Father studio. Lawfather Father out.